0: Well, people, it's time. Our last finale episode of season four of Fathoms. All four of us are here. Oh my God. We're together. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, <United>. We have.
1: <laughs> I,
2: Everybody.
1: No I d- what?
0: You don't
2: know. No. That and it feels so good. Thank you, Drew. Yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um,. We are so excited to finally be on this last, last episode. Um, <laughs> for finally. So many reasons. Speak
1: for yourself. I have my I tissues ready here. No, okay.
0: Well, yeah. My goal in this episode Ugh. is to see how many times I can get Lindsay to cry. Yeah. So that is, that's a that's my goal. Um, <laughs> so we are, I guess, Drew, why don't you give us kind of a um, a recap of kind of the season why we chose this theme and why is why are we ending on this episode that sort of thing.
2: And it's uh, been a journey to say the least because we when we gathered well the three of us Lindsay couldn't join us in person but when we started brainstorming on what we wanted the season to be we really found ourselves circling around this notion of dynamics of personhood, right? Which has taken us to some really interesting places, I think. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we had this kind of semi-structured framework of individuality, mutuality, and unity that we wanted to kind of underpin each episode. And uh but what we found ourselves doing, and I think this was the running joke, is uh, you know, fathoms an Enneagram podcast where we don't talk about the Enneagram <laughs> very much. <laughs> and and we I mean we did, but it wasn't mm-hmm. um, you know, true to form for us anyway. It wasn't maybe a deep dive on specific Enneagram content, but rather with this initial notion of the Enneagram, how does that help us see some other aspects of personhood that maybe is, isn't is covered or you know, isn't really considered when we're talking about the Enneagram, right? Yeah. I found it to be a really fascinating season in that way. Cause um, w- while the Enneagram is kind of a, a launching point for this season, it's certainly not where we stayed. <laughs> that's for no, sure.
0: That's we sure
2: we didn't, uh, and so we had some amazing guests and amazing conversations. Yeah,
0: yeah. I went back and forth every time we stepped into an interview of how much Enneagram do we want to bring into this, and I know like people are showing up to hear Enneagram content, but it's like this feels like the pre-work to to, to then understanding the type and the instinctual biases mm-hmm. better because you have more context for the individual that you are applying these labels to. So let's talk about all the other labels that complicate the type and subtype labels that, that we arrive at. And so maybe not specifically Enneagram, but I think it's a, it's a crucial, we're talking about the crucial underbelly of what it is to be human, which is a bunch of complexities and, and identities all wrapped up into one yeah. expression of a human being.
3: I like that you say that, creek. Uh, it reminds me of, um, you know, what I tend to say a lot is uh, the person contextualizes the type. And I think it's great to, whether we meant to do what we did with this season or not from the beginning, we really were, in a sense, kind of pushing against the seemingly kind of popular way that the Enneagram is used, uh, trying to make sense of every mm-hmm. behavior with your mm-hmm. type and really getting at the human behind it first. And I I think that's what we actually did pretty well at without meaning to. Um, So yeah, I just, I I wanted to just reinforce what you said and agree with it.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was almost like the the Enneagram is like a veil in front of us sometimes. And I feel like we were kind of trying to like push through that veil and be like, Mm -hmm. there is more to see than a number. (laughs) Like, what does it feel like when you are actually able to move that veil? out of the way, pull back the curtain and forget about a person's number for a minute. Like, I feel like we did that Mm -hmm. in every episode, even if the guests did tell us what their Enneagram number was, it was like, that's not, that's not how we were choosing to mostly identify them in our episodes. Mm -hmm. That felt really great. Yeah.
3: It's like what Leslie Hirschberger says. The Enneagram is not the first thing, right? Second thing. The second. Yeah. Yeah or the third or the fourth, 75th,
2: whatever. Yeah. She's just making Mm -hmm. a point. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that, that approach allowed us to engage some and learn about some topics that are more complex than, you know, the, the traits of the nine types, Mm -hmm. right. Which often get considered in this homogenous kind of bland, simplistic form. Uh, you know, when we think about chronic illness and race and aging and, Trauma, you know, and, and some of these these conversations uh, matter in, in terms of how we think about personhood, as opposed to oh, you know, you're a six, therefore I ha- we have you pegged and figured out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, could you guys talk a little bit about season one, the big ego essence episode from season one? Dun dun dun.
0: it
3: was boring because you weren't there
1: yeah
0: subpar (laughs) (laughs) man that was to go back and listen to that and lindsay you listening to it for the first time (laughs) and um
1: (laughs) i gave it an honest effort okay
0: (laughs) yeah yeah um we were giving it effort i think that was the thing that i noticed is (laughs) we said some really great things but it felt like a bunch of nervous energy Mm. trying to get at a really big topic. And I know at least for me, I just felt like I was just throwing, throwing things at it without much precision or um, clarity. That, that was my first, like, it was just like, Oh, that's, that's cute. We're doing a great job, (laughs) but it's also, I can tell we've, we've matured in how we, yeah,
1: just to give the listener a sense of time here. That episode was recorded like three and a half years ago. Is that right?
0: Beginning of 2020. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So
0: <laughs> we decided our, what is it? Second episode ever was going to be the- yeah, it
4: was a bit naive. <laughs> we're we're going to start part.
2: from yeah, the beginning let's just go. and go a bit naive. Abram, yeah. Drew,
1: how, how do you guys feel listening back to that episode?
2: Oh, uh, I feel lots of things. <laughs> <I> think- <laughs> Yeah. All those things, uh, that Creek, you said are, are definitely true. You know, we've matured in some and grown as podcasters, as, uh, Enneagram professionals. I do think though, what we were trying to do with hindsight is really audacious, right? We were trying to unpack these concepts of ego and essence that get thrown around the Enneagram community kind of willy nilly, you know, if you will, all the time. And we were trying to challenge that. And, you know, Certainly, areas we didn't do it very effectively and maybe only contributed to the confusion, you know. But I also think we raised some good questions, right? Definitely. Uh, that the, these concepts need to be considered and not just used in these vague kind of self help senses, you know, um, which is tip- very often in Enneagram ego is bad, essence is good.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, we at least, I think, challenge that. somewhat successfully to get, hopefully to get the listeners to think about, um, Hey, it's more complex than that. It's not just this, uh, good versus evil battle within you, but there's more going on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I loved, I loved the nuance that you guys brought in that episode. What about you, Abram?
3: I wouldn't change a thing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was perfect. Yeah. We peaked at that episode. It's yeah. been all
3: downhill. Yes. Yeah. Downhill, yeah. <laughs> it was a very different perspective, right? No. Um, similar to what you guys are saying, I mean, I felt embarrassment at first and then I laughed <laughs> at myself, you know, in a, I think in a healthy way of that you do when you realize you tried hard and you've learned a lot since. Um, I mean, it's, it's right away it was just like, oh, I was still talking into my – Uh, my, my iPhone, I didn't have a microphone yet. Wow. The sound quality Mm -hmm. sounds horrible. Um, just all the things, you know, kind of what Creek said, it felt a bit like I was just trying to throw all the paint colors I knew at the wall to see what would work. Like, here's everything I've got. Uh, hopefully somebody (laughs) is impressed. (laughs) Um, but it is, it sort of felt a bit like how when the Enneagram began to be first presented with all these concepts and ideas, And then as this tool has grown after it's actually been practiced with real life people, we've Mm -hmm. begun to like work on different aspects of it and say, oh, it's not only, it's not a bad thing to have a stress point. It's not disintegration. It's, you know, after there's real life people that have been engaged with this tool, we start to learn from it. And I think that's actually a lot of uh, where I've come from. I was throwing a lot of words out there that I, was it was parroting you know, concepts, and re- now I've actually personally experienced and have, um, with my family, with with different clients, with um, other people in my life, I've actually practiced and had experiences with these things with, rather than just you know concepts that I was trying to uh, sound like I knew what I was talking about with. So yeah, I, I also just think I was. Now I know how to have a conversation on a podcast rather than uh, read a dialogue I scripted before. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> lots, lots have been learned. Line. Lots to learn. <laughs> <Line. I know. laughs> yes. Yeah. And just, yeah. just a,
1: like just a rough estimate. How many books would you say you've read in the last three and a half years?
3: I don't. I mean, it's 60 or 70 is I what mean, I average a year. So. so, yeah. What's that times three? I don't do math. Don't, That's a
1: lot of Just ones. up to nine.
0: Up um, <laughs> yeah. What more do you need? Like listening to myself, I, I hear, obviously, I hear my, my good intention. I agree with myself mostly, like probably 90% mm-hmm. of the intention, mm-hmm. the language of how I'm presenting the concepts mm-hmm. and those implications of that language is what I would I would probably like fifty back to fifty percent or something like that because I can translate what I'm saying to my yeah that's an accurate a mostly accurate experience of yeah. how I see my internal life happening inside of me but I don't feel like that was clearly expressed in a way that's applicable um and just something as simple as like I like got that time I I did feel. I did like feel on some level that there was an end point to this work um that there that there is a a point where I don't necessarily have to keep dealing with as much forness, right or that at some point I'll have some level of enlightenment where it's it's not right but that's that's not where I'm at anymore I'm like no this is this is just going to be this log. and it's like it's learning to enjoy it as um, part of living instead of trying to escape it.
3: And that is enlightenment.
0: Mm, Yes. Enlightenment as a process, not a a point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Actually, Lindsay, I'd love to hear what was your initial...
2: These guys are brilliant. I can't
1: wait to be a (laughs) part of it. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) No. Wow. These guys are smart. I hope they never ask me to be a part of this because I won't be able to keep up. Um, No, I really, I felt, honestly, I felt intimidation. And I think that that's that's important to remember. I'm probably not alone in that feeling. I felt confused. I felt uh, like I was struggling. I, I felt like I needed a lot of needed to do a lot of homework to understand what seemed sort of it was like ego, essence. okay, I feel like I can get this. I feel like I can understand because i'm a I'm a human being doing this work. I feel like I have these mm-hmm. experiences, but I, I don't feel like these terms are exactly getting at they feel confusing. they feel too broad or I, I can't exactly remember what I was thinking three and a half years ago. I just hit stop. <laughs>
2: mission accomplished that's what we want 10 minutes in i was like i will
1: come back to this when i feel smarter
0: (laughs) gosh oh man so that's terrible no i I apologize to everyone
1: (laughs) i don't think it's terrible i think that i think people are just at different places and that's where i was at right then it's like i i wasn't ready for those terms then
5: Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm
1: So the listener may be wondering, it may feel really random for us to go from talking about like chronic illness, trauma, aging, and then all of a sudden be like, hey guys, our season four finale episode is on ego and essence. Like it, I feel like it may feel a little random. And so just allow us to explain sort of what what we're thinking here with this. We feel like all of these really important aspects of ourself, like, like Creek, you were saying, all of these aspects of ourselves that we wanted to highlight in season four that get really overlooked and sometimes we miss the ways that they overlap and sort of play with our Enneagram styles or highlight or diminish our Enneagram styles, that all of that has the potential to be things that we can overly attach to, Mm over-identify with. And then that's when it becomes a problem, right? None of these things we've talked about in this season are necessarily in and of themselves problems, but what could happen if you over-identified with your trauma, if you were overly attached to that as an identity, if you were overly attached to your identity as a young person and then now you're aging. So we really felt like having this clarifying conversation around ego and essence would be a really wonderful way to sort of bundle up the whole season and, um, and say here is here are some handles for you as you move through these various aspects of your identity. Maybe you discover, I mean, obviously there's so many things we didn't touch on in this season. So as you Mm -hmm. keep noticing your life and appreciating your life, what are these different layers of your own identity? And what are some handles that we can maybe give you around how to embrace it all, how to hold it
2: all well? So you might say it's uh, kind of a unifying, an attempt at unity, right? Mm. It's like the ribbon. At the end of the season. Yeah. (laughs) Lindsay, I,
3: I, I think you're right in that this is this stuff is it has been interlaid throughout all these conversations without whether or not we realized it. Um, but also like why these I think why we want to talk about re-talk about these topics is because they affect our quality of life.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I actually I don't know if, if 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 anyone's familiar with this concept of the second arrow. Uh, I I think it's uh, within um, the buddhist tradition but it's it's basically you know there's the 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 wound of the arrow and then there's the second arrow which is our reaction to that wound and mm-hmm. so in, in a sense that is what we're talking about how is our quality of life despite the actual pain that happens how are we reacting to this mm-hmm. uh, we because we we can learn to ha- reframe we can we can learn to maybe you can't change your circumstances but you can maybe you'll never be able to change your specific wounds or patterns but you can change your relationship with them mm. and that's how we can manage our quality of life more and more and so that's actually in my in my my sense is, is what or why is talking about these concepts actually have so much value to them is because our quality of life is dependent on working with how we react which is our habitual mm-hmm. patterns also known as our personality (laughs) and this is what shades our awareness uh, how we respond or how we contract when when that first arrow of something painful hits
0: yeah like i love that i think that's that's really clearly articulated where whether whether you're black white brown whatever what does that mean how do you express that what are the certain difficulties that come along with that in what ways does that enhance how you see the world in a, in a very unique way? And in what ways does that limit your ability to see uh, in a very unique way? And so this concept of what we're talking about is, okay, there's, there's how you see things, at least for me, it's like, so let's go back to who's seeing and how do we, how do we more clearly see the person who is seeing the uniqueness, the unique perspectives Mm -hmm. and have, a better relationship with, okay, how, now what do I do with these things in a way that is mature and adaptive? And how do I make clear, actionable steps towards living a more flourishing life, which is about my flourishing and those around me to flourish? As, as we're jumping into this interview with Mario and Russ, um, what should the listener be prepared for? Like, What's the thing that um, you want them to lean into here?
3: I would um, just start with uh, saying there is a lot here, <laughs> and so you may want to pace yourself. Actually, there there is a lot of depth, um, and there's a lot of depth within two kind of m- major categories of thought. It's not just one one well-rounded, uh, sufficiently said thing. <laughs> it, you might you might be listening a, a couple times or sequentially, you know, in a, in a couple of different start and stops. So j- just definitely like prepare to do that.
2: That's the first thing that, I, that came to mind. Yeah, and I'll say having not been a part of the conversation, sadly, but having haven't uh, listened to it and getting early access to it compared to the listeners, I think one of the things that uh, I'm struck with is um, Russ and Mario certainly don't, agree on every point right but they are very often kind of talking about the same thing in different ways right and and trying to work through some of the limitations and potential of language to help us uh, unpack these ideas and and so in that way it's um i think it's a really fun lesson mm-hmm. um if, again if you pace yourself appropriately like seth said abram sorry
1: <laughs> yeah I. I- I would echo that and also would add, I think that uh, noticing that they demonstrate so well how to disagree and remain in community with each other and remain about the same values. Um, and so you'll hear both of them talk about wanting to help people feel more meaning and make more of their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the unifying yeah. factor between them and... Um, and they both reach different people, and and sometimes the same people find different levels of value in both of their work. And so, that would be my encouragement too: is just whatever you can hold from this conversation, hold that, and let the rest fall away.
3: For an analogy uh, here, I will say this conversation was rather robust, and I I am a cigar guy, and uh, recently I started to get into kind of the heavier, the darker cigars but if i don't have a meal before mm-hmm. i do that not a good idea mm-hmm. so that's what this conversation's like Go you might eat. want to have a so meal have a snack before you listen
1: Get <laughs> <laughs> a protein Fancy bar
0: loves her snacks i love my um, snacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i guess i would just add i mean i am i am guilty probably more than most of listening to podcasts at three times speed this is not three
5: one those. insane yeah.
0: Depends on how, how awake I am, (laughs) but like two is about minimum. And then it's like two and a half, three, depending on, yeah. Anyways, but slow down, go into it with the beginner's mind. I think we, I think we mentioned that in this episode as well, but this, these are big topics. I think what we're trying to do here is, is challenge getting further into Mm -hmm. the specifics this is what i kept falling into as we're working through this episode is like trying to do big picture stuff when it's like no let's let's go down specifics 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 and yeah to lean into that to lean into the specifics and not try to re-categorize everything that they're saying into a bigger into a bigger word or 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 something like that so for now lose what Mm -hmm. you think you know Mm -hmm. and just receive what's being given and then do the work afterwards yeah. to process that.
1: Yeah, don't don't pressure yourself.
0: So without further ado, live from San Francisco, <laughs> <laughs> the Fathoms Podcast plus Lee Fields.
6: Absolutely, always catch the the freedom. Are we rolling, Jimmy? All right, right. Can I get this airplane off? No, leave it. Hands. <laughs> All right.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Fathoms an Enneagram podcast. Um, woo, we are in San
0: Francisco.
4: <laughs> yeah, live in person.
1: in person, in a room. We're looking at each other in the faces, not yes. through our screens. Unfortunately, our friend Drew Moser could not be with us. Sad face emoji. Um, but we have our wonderful friend Lee Fields with us today. Say hello to the people, Lee. Hello. We are so glad to have you. And today's episode is one we have been building up to all season. So we're really looking forward to parsing this out with our guests today. Um, And just to give you a little backstory on why we're doing this episode and, and where this is coming from, in season one of the Fathoms podcast, there was an episode on ego and essence, and it is still currently our most downloaded episode, right? Creek, our most downloaded. Okay. Um, And so we were kind of talking about why this might be. Maybe it's because we sort of intuit that these are concepts that are really important for our growth and development. And so we're just all kind of naturally curious about it. Maybe it's because not a lot of Enneagram teachers or podcasts are defining these terms or using them very clearly. And so people are kind of on the hunt for understanding these concepts. But also... Since that first episode, the hosts of this podcast have kind of changed their ideas about some things and also noticed and uncovered some blind spots in the Enneagram community and noticed some uh, kind of misuses of these terms that have had some some negative consequences. And so um, we just thought it was really important to revisit this conversation just to continue to build the integrity of the Enneagram in the larger professional community Mm -hmm. so that people can continue to take this work seriously and um, to honor the people that are doing this work by being really clear about what we're talking about.
0: I support this. Well said. <laughs> well said, Lizzie. <laughs> taking we all this agree. Yeah, I mean, notes. They got notes and everything. <laughs> yeah. So
1: a lot of what we have around ego and essence comes from literature. Um, one of our guests today uh, was responsible for partly, and that um, that book was written in the '90s. And so we kind of have a snapshot. Snapchat. 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 <laughs> I did this earlier too. You, Why, you is that, uh, Why is that word hard for me today? We, you have, <laughs> we, <got it. laughs> we have got it. We have a snapshot of what the conversation was around ego and essence in the 90s when this book was written. Um, but we kind of want to just hit the refresh button today and say, what do we need in 2023 to know? Mm-hmm. What's the conversation we need to have about this?
4: today. Totally second that. And and with any book, right? You write the book and it goes out into the world and then it's static, right? It stays how it was written in that moment and the conversation moves on, right? And so since um, in the olden days when books were on paper, it was especially (laughs) hard to just edit anything. Um, For those of you who maybe just download content now. This is how things used to work and to some degree still do. And so we're really looking for um, a conversation today around, um, like Lindsay said, breathing some fresh air and insight into terms that are very familiar to people on the call today, some of the people on the call today. Um, and maybe brand new to our audience. No
0: one's on a call, but continue. <laughs>
4: so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't gotten We're used to being so in person dressed. yet, even though I am <laughs> technically at this moment in person. Um, <laughs>
5: so, so we know Lee's dialing this one in. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally.
4: <laughs> Having a fully embodied experience right this minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my point being that for some people at this table, this, these are very familiar concepts and. Um, like the water you swim in or the knowledge you know, it's just a a known piece of wisdom. But for several of the people listening, it may be the first time they've heard either of the concepts Mm -hmm. or maybe they've heard them and are just looking to explore what does this really mean for me? How can I interact with this information? How can I understand it more than just as a concept? Mm -hmm. And so um, our invitation today is for everyone to bring sort of a beginner's mind to the conversation, um, to set aside to the degree possible uh, preconceived notions or former understandings of what it is, and just take a fresh look at what our terms mean, what the concepts mean, how to work with it, how not to work with it. Mm -hmm. And we're beginning a conversation today for all of us and the people listening
0: so today we have two legendary figures both wearing black and looking very mysterious and wise um, <laughs> uh, we have Mario Sakura and Russ Hudson y'all thank you so much for being here uh, yes, thank you. So it's a pleasure excited. to be here thank um, you this is a culmination of a lot of hard work um, so I've been waiting my whole life to <laughs> finally be on the pod, the
5: fathoms podcast yes, so thank Halloween. you
0: this is, is your third
5: time, yeah, was actually. Oh, okay. oh, really? Oh,
4: oh okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Transcended. So, Mar- Mario and Russ, you all have been in relationship for a while. How, how long has that been? Oh, God. We well, met each uh, other in can, the 90s. Can,
5: can I just back it up just a little bit here <laughs> to define what kind of relationship Uh-oh. we're talking about? Uh-oh. Defining
4: our terms There's is a- important. <laughs>
6: No, <laughs> Brotherly <laughs> Brotherly <laughs> no, we, we met a long time ago. We met mm-hmm. uh we met initially through Mario's cousin. Yeah, Bob uncle Tal- actually, yeah. Uncle. Or uncle, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Bob Talon, yeah. yeah. But we met in the early nineties, yeah, I'd say it was like right ninety four. 95, 95, Yeah. Nineteen nineties. Yeah. 1990s. Right yeah. So we've known each other a long time. <laughs> wow, I was born in 1990. Oh, year, so sure, yeah. uh, that's very well, shocking we, and depressing. <laughs> <to> realize, <laughs> but we yes. gathered
0: to celebrate <laughs> that. Great yeah, thing. that's, that's why, great. why we're here. Yeah. Though.
6: I was just naming a
0: fact, that you all <laughs> took it somewhere else. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, Mara. Well, you,
5: well, let, let me just say too that I. Did the training with Don and Russ? So yes. went went through their uh, training program and learned a huge amount. And their work was the introduction, my introduction to the Enneagram. Got it. So.
0: Russ, what is your first memory of Mario? <laughs> <laughs> However <laughs> ugly it is,
6: <laughs> of him being in the training. Actually, really? yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. He was yeah. great. I mean, we hit it off right away. We had a great connection. We had a good laugh. We both like a lot of things in common. We both love movies and we (laughs) both love music. And so we we always had that and shared that. And, you know, he was very interested in... in, You kind of can tell when you're teaching this the people for whom it's a passing thing and the Mm. people for whom they've really got it and are going to do something with it. So, Mm. you know, we kind of had... Our eyes on Mario, that you know he was going to actually mm. do something with this, and, and we were correct. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's done a few things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, wh- what is your common fascination? What What is it about? What does it say about you with your common fascination about zombies?
6: <laughs> that, where like we that. meet, we
0: were disturbed.
6: I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. part of it. Uh, no, I, and I,
5: it's zombie movies. Yeah. We yeah, don't not, really. Not, we don't really zombies. want to meet zombies. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. No, okay. Zombies. Yeah, no. Just in the movies, okay. they're good.
6: Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I think I think it is you know, they're a symbol. They're like a lot of things. but i we both like action movies. We both like movies that are challenging. Mm. we we, we both don't like cliche movies. and I don't know what it is specifically about zombie movies, but I think it's, when you're doing this work of trying to help people to wake up, you mm. kind of sometimes feels like you're battling an army of zombies. Yeah. I mean, you just want to
5: shoot um, them in the head.
6: <laughs> that could be it. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Man. I'm in know. love with that explanation, <laughs> <Yeah>. actually.
4: <laughs> that just
6: was But cool. people, you know, are, are our friends and colleagues are always baffled by this, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we got to tell a quick story. If I could. First of all, our, <laughs> our
5: friend Tom Condon is also a big zombie movie he fan. He is. But, um, so Russ and I were doing a, uh, we were at a um, conference in Santiago, an Enneagram conference way back. And um, our friend Maria Jose was, um, you know, one of the organizers of the conference. And after the conference is over, we're going to do a, um, a trip to Valparaiso. Right. Yeah. We're going to go to Valparaiso for lunch. We're about ninety minutes away, I think. Yeah, two hours. over the mountains. Yeah. yeah, and so Maria Jose, who didn't know us as well as she does now. Right, was very excited to be driving the <laughs> two of us to Valparaiso, you know, and she's like, oh, I'm going to be in the
6: car with the gurus and I'm going to yeah. learn secret wisdom and stuff. And, and We're going to talk, reveal the yes. inner teachings. Yes. Yes. And, yes, and Russ and I sat Turns back out. talking
5: about zombie movies and quoting lines from Pulp Fiction. Which is actually world. the oh, inner yeah. the inner wisdom of the Enneagram, <laughs> right? which is we're all dead and just walking around. She, she still will point out how disappointed
3: she oh, was. Man. Yeah, yeah. So, What is one thing about each other's
6: work that you really admire? Hmm. I admire that Mario doesn't rest on his laurels. He keeps learning new stuff. He keeps looking at what works with the people he's trying to support and integrates that into how he teaches and approaches it. And I very much respect his emphasis of rationality. Mm -hmm. which uh, I was talking about this with some people yesterday. I said, you know, there's this kind of spiritual cliche that we don't need rationality, we need to get in our hearts. You know, I don't know a single human being who makes their life decisions based on rationality, not one. We're not rational at all. Mm. We're v- emotional, instinctual, crazy. Would <laughs> rational people create the, the world that we have right now? Mm. I don't see it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we've – he and I have a connection about trying to introduce people to clearer thinking, using your mind better. And I deeply respect that. I think it's a very important conversation that he's boldly um, emphasizing.
5: Yeah, I I need more time. (laughs) No, No, look, um, I've been, um, I've respected Russ for for a lot of ways, you know, ever since I've known him. I mean, first of all, his contributions to the Enneagram are just huge. And um, the Enneagram community is what it is, in part because of, you know, the work that he did with, you know, other early. Uh, pioneers and trailblazers. His intellectual contributions are huge. Uh, so so there's all of that stuff, right? But for me, the thing I appreciate most about Russ is his uh, complete lack of ill will toward other people, mm. which frankly I see as a character flaw. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I admire his ability to um, be compassionate toward people. To be understanding of people, to um, to really seek out the best for people, um, so that that's for me what what jumps out. Yeah, guys are getting all gushy. Yeah, yeah. oh great. shucks. <laughs> <laughs> Mario
3: indeed does have a heart. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I,
6: I don't, but I know it when
5: I see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as
6: as. People based in Ingram point eight and five were the two types that are least seen, least likely to Mm. express Mm -hmm. mushy stuff. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you know, if you scratch us enough, you'll you'll find (laughs) some. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, jumping in here, y'all. I think you'd both agree. We were talking about this um, before we even started the recording, that it's really important to get clear about what we mean when we're talking about these these uh, these concepts, these topics. Yeah. You know what we're talking about when we're talking about ego essence. Um, so you know one of the issues out there is that these concepts get named, and there's sort of an assumption that we all know what we're talking about. But we want to get clear here in this conversation. So could you guys both give us your um, your take? On what what are these terms? what do they mean? what what is ego? what is essence?
5: The tricky thing for me in this conversation is that I don't use these terms in the work that I do, right And as I'm thinking about this conversation, there's um, the, the analogy that came to me was um, martial arts. okay so in the martial arts world, and I studied martial arts when I was younger, you have traditional, Approaches to the martial arts, right? Aikido, for example, uh, which is a—it's a, a way. Do means way in Japanese, and it's so it's a school of self development. Okay. Hands. So, you can study a martial art like Aikido and gain a tremendous amount from it. Okay. And then there's mixed martial arts, right? Where it's you know not really caring about the tradition necessarily. We're not really caring about the way things have been done, you know, along the line. And we're going outside of those boundaries. And it becomes a different sort of thing, even though the end goal is the same. And anybody who has any sense will recognize that there are different ways to go at these things, right? And so for me, the idea of ego is ego in essence, as they're traditionally talked about, is more in that approach of the the dough, right? The path, and for me, it is not as useful in the environment I tend to work in, mm-hmm. right? Especially because of this lack of clarity that you're talking about. And mm-hmm. so having to define the terms, the word ego, for example, I mean, you could find six or seven definitions of what you mean by ego. And the right. same thing with essence. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, as Russ is sure to say, you know, here's what I mean when I use that word, right? So for me, it's just, okay, I'm going to go this direction around those and find another way. To talk about those ideas, mm. okay. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't have an answer for you.
3: Can you right. can you share that, some of the values that you might see though in ego in essence or whatever those? How do you translate that? In uh, your so,
5: so, so for me, it's this idea that I tend to express in one way, and I could express in another way, mm-hmm. right? And that there's um, there is also this sense of conditioning. That takes me away or obscures something deeper, maybe something more meaningful, something uh, more impactful. Yeah. Um, for me, that's the idea that there's I'm trapped in something mm.
6: that is limiting. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. yeah, my own sense of of this is related to what you're just saying, Mario.. Um, you know, to go back, you know, the original source that I had for these definitions came from Gorgiev, George Gurdjieff. And he said, essence is what we're born with and ego is what we acquire. It, in other words, essence is closer to what psychologists would call temperament and personality or ego is the programming we receive from our family, from our culture, from our the, the imprints from our relationships and our traumas and all that. Mm-hmm. The thing that is difficult and, and the Enneagram was not meant to be pop psychology, was never intended for a mass consumption. Mm-hmm. It was intended for people who were seriously delving into understanding Ooh, and what they were on a deeper level and had the motivation to look at this stuff, right? So, but here we are and it is out there in mass. So how do we talk about these things becomes a fresh and interesting question. For me, ego is all our collective programming, but it also, we tend to derive our sense of self from that programming such that we defend our programming, even when it's extremely maladaptive. Mm. And Mario does have to deal with Mm -hmm. that with his clients every day, Mm -hmm. right? It's how do we get people to see that their habitual conditioned approach that they're identified with is actually counter to what they're trying to have in their life. So... Ego can, I am not one and I've never been one to say we have to get rid of the ego or kill the ego. This was really popular with crazy people in the 1970s. You know, ego is not going anywhere, Mm -hmm. (laughs) nor do I want it to. I do not really care to learn English all over again. Mm
4: -hmm.
6: And, you know, all of the development of, of programming of our psyche, it's an integral part. It's an important part of us. Ego isn't bad. The problem is not that we have an ego. The problem is that we've forgotten in our identification with it that there's any more to us. Mm -hmm. So the question of essence becomes beyond my tunnel vision, beyond my programmed consciousness, beyond what I'm stuck in, as Mario was saying, what is here? Well, if I don't learn some tools to sort of pause and get out of the momentum of that pattern, I will never find out. Not only that, I won't believe there's anything more. To me, it's a fairy tale, but I've never – it's like somebody who's never left home saying there's nothing outside their house. Mm. Mm -hmm. So there's a way that, you know, over the many, many, many centuries of human activity, people in different cultures have discovered there are other deeper dimensions, as you were saying, Mario, that to our human existence. And those are the places we tend to find what makes our life meaningful, Many people have figured out that working their ass off endlessly for whatever rewards they think they're going to get does not make their life meaningful. Many people have figured out that they got married and that's the beginning of a new set of challenges. It's Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. the solution, right? Mm -hmm. But there's an opportunity in all of our human experience to discover this. I do not think essence is something remote, other gaseous. People confuse essence as some kind of trance, like I'm in essence now. Well, no, that is not possible. Essence is more this deeper layer that's kind of there in the background, which when we are a little less preoccupied with our particular ego agenda, comes a little more into the foreground. So for example, you might be doing a task, you might be running a podcast, you Mm -hmm. might be talking to people on a podcast. Are you completely lost in whatever you think is happening? Are you repeating old crap again and again? Or is there some contact with your experience in that moment? So that's the other thing I'd say. There's a lot of language these days in spiritual community and in, in, in business worlds of mindfulness, presence, all of that. Essence is the different qualities that we notice as we become more present to our experience. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna find peace from my ego. Hmm. My ego tries to create peace by dissociating, for example. Dissociation is an egoic method of trying to create peace that maybe has short-term effects, but not in the long term. But when you, I was in an emergency room recently, and from my many years of practice, I was possibly dying that night Mm. in tremendous pain. And peace for me was me dropping into the presence of the moment and feeling something there other than just the pain and difficulty of the situation. Mm. It wasn't imagining anything, it wasn't a trance, Mm. it wasn't a visualization, it was a direct experience. What is peace? What is love? What is kindness? What is clarity of our intelligence? There's a difference between our thinking and the clarity which permits clear thinking. Mm -hmm. You see, Mm -hmm. It's it's a subtler nuance than we're used to making and it doesn't dismiss all the wonderful things we've learned about brain science and cognition and a lot of other cool things. But it's looking at it, as you were saying, Mario, from a little bit different angle. But I also would agree with what you guys are saying. People sort of set the two against each other Mm -hmm. as if one's good and one's bad. Mm -hmm. And they don't really know what essence is. It just seems like some sort of spiritual cloud. Mm -hmm. But that's not what it is.
4: I think we've talked about how um, essence is a really big umbrella and a lot of things are getting put underneath that umbrella. And so... Um, part of the conversation today is trying to sort of unbraid some of those things and talk about the concept as more of its essential concept yeah. instead of carrying the baggage of everybody's expectation or everybody's definition of the word. Yeah, I'm curious, um, sort of taking it back to the essential essence <laughs> definition that we were talking about a few minutes ago, definition or not definition, if it's not a thing that you work with, but whatever sort of, um, maybe Mario, whatever essence sort of stands in for in your teaching as opposed to the word itself? Yeah. Yeah. And looking at both of your, like, long history of working with the Enneagram and Mm -hmm. these concepts, are there any examples of things that you can think of about how you've changed your mind or have learned something new about the concepts, how you would frame it now in the fresh 2023 way or your more recent experience versus maybe the original canon or understanding of it? from the
5: beginning of your work. floated, And I want to get on the record uh, regarding uh, new problems coming up once you get married. Um, (laughs) In case my wife listens to this podcast, it's been blissful and problem-free for 21 years now. Uh, So, I tend to And again, Russ and I have taught together a number of times and it's always a great experience. And people always expect us to be disagreeing with each other and, you know, and how can these guys be having the same conversation? And we don't disagree. We just come at it from a different way and using different language. And that different language is not surprising given that I'm an eight and he's a five and mm-hmm. that he's doing a certain kind of work and I'm doing a different kind of work in, mm-hmm. in many ways, right? Uh, there's a lot of overlap, of course, but, uh, but so it's, it's, it's natural that there will be different language. Okay? Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. happens when either one of us teaches with Tom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tom Condon. Ex- yeah. Exactly. So for me, I tend to, as much as possible, think in terms of verbs when I'm talking about the Enneagram, it being what we do. Okay, rather than this thing that we are in an ontological sense, right? So for me, an ontological meaning uh, <laughs> the, the the nature. I'm gonna of call its you meaning, out. No, that, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I, I, yeah. um, the um, I go into big word mode sometimes yeah, yeah. to try and impress people. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, um, <laughs> so it's not this thing that we are. Okay, our enneagram type or ego or whatever we're talking about here. It's what we call people who do this thing, okay? People who fall into these patterns, right? So it's a, a nominalist perspective, meaning we give a name to this thing. Okay? And so for me, and my approach is, and, and Russ made a reference to maladaptive behavior, for me it's all about is are we expressing ourselves in an adaptive way or a maladaptive way? Okay. Are we trapped into some pattern that's keeping us stuck, that's causing us to suffer, that is causing the people around us to suffer? Or are we stepping back, reframing our narratives about things, re, uh, cha- modifying our behaviors so that we can grow, so that we can st- suffer less, so that we can cause the people around us to suffer less? Yeah. Okay. So, so for me, it's all about are we using what I think of as our strategies adaptively or maladaptively. Okay. Yeah. And then there are these qualities of our nature mm-hmm. that are another dimension of who we are, you know, in the same way that Russ was talking about it. And I use kind of a, in my work, a kind of a derivative of the essential aspects that uh, Holmes and Sandra Maitre talk about there, that these are these qualities in humans that become stunted in us through the socialization process. And the work is to nurture the development of these qualities Mm -hmm. so that we can express these and we can live fuller and richer lives and so forth. So this is just for me a perspective that I bring to it. Mm -hmm. And again, Russ is saying the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. in a slightly different way. And there might be some, you know, differences and so forth. But I think the
6: same, the ideas are very similar.
5: Yeah. And I forget
6: your question, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and I was just to to piggyback on that, Um, what you're saying is very congruent in a sense with the traditional view behind all this. That Let me see if I can unpack this. When the idea in the Enneagram is the root of our habitual nature is the passion, which I define as a kind of... Unhealed suffering. Mm. Like we mm. we we feel cruddy inside. We don't feel lovable. We don't feel seen. We're scared. We're angry. We're we, there's a core of just ah inside everybody. Essence is the corrective experiences that soothes and heals that suffering, and nothing else will do it.
2: Mm.
6: No amount of people saying sweetie pie does it no amount of anything. You can cognitively sit in therapy to, for the rest of your life and understand that why you're screwed up. But until you, for I'll give an ex, a tangible example. I think we learn better from specifics. Let's say I'm an Enneagram Absolutely. three. I have this yawning, terrible emptiness inside. It causes me to constantly externalize and be doing stuff all the time, trying to endlessly prove to myself and to certain people in my head that I'm lovable, worthwhile, and worthy of your attention, right? Mm-hmm. Until I have experiences of the source of preciousness, value, meaning, purpose, that doesn't come from an external derivation. We, that's what we buy into, but it never works. Exhibit A, our civilization, which is going down very rapidly. When you start to have that moment and you might be doing something, you might not be doing something, but just where something lights up a little bit in your heart and you're feeling this tender appreciation of Mm. your existence, which can't happen when you're running the trance, Mm. when you're running the real world bullshit, Mm. right? It's not real. In that moment of touching into that, there's a healing of that emptiness. But the important part in terms of what Mario was talking about in the tradition, that is the alchemy that starts to precipitate the virtues. The whole point of it was the virtues. In the Western spiritual tradition, people were not interested in claims of higher consciousness. They didn't care if you had a moment of being absorbed in the Godhead or whatever. It was not significant. What kind of person are you? How does it change how you show up in the world? And I'm not just talking about being efficient within a dysfunctional and insane system. I'm talking about a person who can make a positive difference on this planet. And the virtues are the fulfillment of someone who's let their suffering be transformed by the deeper awareness of what they really are, what's really here and so forth, which is not anything particularly special when you experience it. We experience essential stuff all the time. We just don't generally have language for it because we're caught up in the ego stuff, right? When you are a parent and you look at your child and you just see something about the beauty and perfection and essence of that child, there's a wordless moment that makes Mm. your life worth living and there is no map, there's no structure, there's no doing that can ever touch that. And yet without that, what would your life be? Mm
4: -hmm.
6: So essence is starting to recognize those moments where we come into contact with what actually really matters to us. And then that gets translated into the stuff we do, into the services we perform, into the leadership that we take on, into the serve, whatever it is that we're doing, into how we show up with our families. To me, that's where the beautiful thing is, that's where these stop being separate camps, where you're learning to be, what I have told my students, If you think that doing this is going to end all your problems, I've got really bad news for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not. Mm -hmm. Life will continue to throw curveballs. You're still going to have disappointments. People will break your heart on a regular basis. That's going to keep happening. And you learn a place of sitting in yourself where you deal with the hardships with more graciousness, more dignity, more patience, and you appreciate... This amazing journey while you've got it, Mm
4: -hmm.
6: so it's it's both that expansion of the appreciation of everything in your life and the love and the people and everything you've got about it, and it's it's learning to hold the difficulties from a much deeper and more intelligent place. So Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't. What happens is people turn into some sort of spiritual hoodoo, some kind of uh, exaggerated uh, thing that I think is again, it's a reaction to the suffering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm suffering and I want some kind of magical spiritual drug to take me to some awesome thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you might have that happen sometimes, but that's not, essence arises in the in the grist of our daily lives. Or it's not real in my mm-hmm. view.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have a question for you, yeah. Mario, though. I'm wondering, yeah. as you're listening to Russ talk yeah. about essence, as he understands it, how do yeah. your core qualities that you use in your work factor into that? How do they differ from it? Do you do you hear any of your own ideas in what he's saying?
5: Let me just clarify that any ideas I have are derivative from yeah. what you know <laughs> Russ has um, yeah. you know been teaching. Um, so Russ used a, an important term here: separate camps. And it's this danger to think that there are these separate camps, ego and essence. Mm. Because what that leads to is somebody saying, well, I've conquered my ego, I've tamed my ego, so therefore I'm enlightened. And that ain't the way it works, right? So there's always work to be done. And you it, to, to say that I've tamed my ego, just it doesn't mean anything, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it just It's just a nonsensical term. So from my view these are not separate camps you get one of you know get rid of one and the other one sort of comes up these core qualities emerge and so forth it is that we continually work on clarifying our implicit definitions of our personality strategies so for me as an eight i have to continually ask myself what does it mean to strive to feel powerful and start to see how my narratives around that are limited and constricted and maladaptive and work to clarify that. And this is something I, I, I uh, Almas in his book Essence, I think, talks about this idea of clarifying the ego so that you know, it doesn't go away, but it gets so that you can see through it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And as you continue to work on the definition of the strategy, it creates space like Russ was saying, for these other things to arise for you to see them so that now I can start to work on this as well, right? So for the eight, if I'm, you know, for me striving to feel powerful is to be tough and controlling and bossy. As I start to dissolve that and start to say, well, you know what? I can be powerful by being nice to people. I can be powerful by empowering others. It creates breathing room for compassion. And I start to say, ah, this is something interesting let me explore this let me nurture this quality so that this becomes part of how i express in the world as well right mm-hmm. so it's 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 again we have to be really careful about thinking there are these two different things mm-hmm. at war with each other or in contradiction with each other there's just you mm-hmm. and you're expressing in a lot of different ways Okay? Mm-hmm. And you have to pay attention to those ways, and you have to work on them. And you realize that when I turn this dial, something happens over here as well. And then I have to look at that one and say, "Oh, okay. Well, let me play with this dial a little bit and see what happens over here, right?" And that's how the work goes. Yeah. Okay, so. As you start to work with the concept of the strategy and my approach to things, it creates space for these core qualities to come up—these deeper qualities of who we are. These, you know, these things that make us human. Really. When, when
0: you say these core qualities that come up, the deeper sense of who we are—that mm-hmm. sounds ontologically in that in that vein. So, Can yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that?
5: good point. So, uh, we look—we do have th- there are qualities to what it is to be human. Right. You know, humans are different from giraffes okay, or lions or, or whatever, right? So there are these qualities that we have, okay? Now, when I say I don't think of it as an ontological perspective, I mean around the type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know you're not going to find the type inside. You know it's not like when Men in Black and they open the head of the <laughs> alien and the, there's the little alien in there. You know you're, you're not going to find the homunculus inside you that is your type. Darn it! Yeah, because you know, <laughs> I, I think got some words so much for easier. You. <laughs> here, right? So 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 that doesn't exist. It, it's but there are qualities of what it is to be a human, right? Just by our wiring and so forth. So that's kind of mm-hmm. what I'm talking about there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
6: I I agree with that. I mean, essentially, essentially, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) you know, you don't get anywhere by imagining essence or trying to be essence and so forth. Don't worry about essence. Essence is here. Essence is the deeper layer of your consciousness, the deeper layer of your heart, the deeper layer of your embodiment, shall we say. But noticing how you're checking out, your favorite styles of contracting your awareness, that is a useful thing to be aware of. And that's what the Enneagram does. The Enneagram, from my perspective, was not originally a tool for what in spiritual tradition is called realization. Realization is the realization that you aren't what you think you are. And you have a lot of realizations along the road. And supposedly the big one is you realize that you are, our consciousness, that you are Mm -hmm. not defined just by your skin, for example. And I completely agree with Mario that there's no finish line. You're you're not like one day you've graduated from being a human being. Every time I see teachers who think that a catastrophe soon follows, Mm -hmm. regardless of their religious tradition, right? Mm Uh, We're going to be working on our human stuff. One of the virtues of the Enneagram is humility. And humility is not, oh, it's just all God, it's not me. That's that's pride. (laughs) That's (laughs) false humility. Humility is bringing into account your human rawness, needs, limitations in yourself and others, taking the human factor into account and being tender and intelligent around that. That's not weird or far out or but it's rare. Mm-hmm. Right? But you know when somebody the other thing about the virtues is that the teaching is that if you have them, it's you're not focused on them. You're not thinking about them. You're not saying, I've got the virtues. It's right. like as soon as you say you're humble, it kind of ruins it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're they're unself-conscious, but they're manifestation of a Gurdjieff didn't say we're becoming cosmic kuzits. He says we're trying to become human beings without quotation marks. Mm. Fully human, fully embodying the qualities that human beings can embody, the the ones we'd prefer to embody. (laughs) But uh, again, I don't think you get there by imagining that you're some kind of cosmic mushroom or something. Mm. You, You get there by seeing how each moment you are... Cutting yourself off. See, the thing, again, the problem with ego is not that we have it, but that when we're identified with it, when we're taking ourselves to be what we usually think we are, there is almost always some kind of cutting off from the deeper resources that we have. Mm -hmm. When we're in emotional reactivity, we're not with the deeper benefits and resources the heart when Mm -hmm. our mind is freaking out with some kind of anxiety and we're thinking in cycles and talking to ourselves the power of our mind is not fully available Mm -hmm. so you know it's not so much about i I would say getting people to notice and mark oh that was a moment of clarity Oh, in that moment, I wasn't reacting to that person. I actually felt some hmm. sympathy. I felt some kindness to them. Oh, you know, I, I that if, I've done that walk every today, but today I actually walked. I was embodied. I remember I was teaching in Hong Kong years ago. And I had some tough nuts to crack <laughs> in that group. Was they, Mario in
1: that group?
6: <laughs> no, but he, he would have been probably very effective. A lot of them were, were business people who were there because their boss told them to go, yeah. which I always yeah. dread yeah. that. Yeah. He has to deal with that all the time. But, you know, I, anyway, they were there. But on the last day, one of the guys was a business leader in this very driven, work-oriented culture of Hong Kong. And he just started weeping. In front of everybody, mm. and so he said, "He says you will not understand my tears." Today, I went walking on the beach, and I realized I had never walked on the beach before.
4: Yeah. He says, wow. "Don't get
6: me wrong." He says, "I've been on the beach thousands of times, mm. but for the first time in my life, I walked on the beach." He said, "I saw a little crab on the in the sand, and the sand was wet." And the crab was digging a hole, and then the wave would come and fill the hole in with sand, and he would dig the hole again, and then the wave would come in and he says, My life is that crab. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I said, You've just seen everything I want you to see. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not like hard work is bad. It's not like, but there's a way that we start to see. This is the thing about ego, that the way we're going about trying to get what we think we're after, we'll never Never, never work.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: So there's a there's you were confronted with not that what we want is wrong, but the way we're going about it will never bring to our hearts what we're seeking. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying mm-hmm. to get people to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, what what I hear from you guys, which is what I love, is that it's you know that parable of the blind men touching the elephant. Oh yes, all talk- <laughs> you guys aren't arguing about different aspects of the elephant, you're, you're both agreeing that you're both touching the elephant. <laughs> yeah, sense. and yeah. we Which know is that we're touching really cool. the elephant.
6: That's the thing. That's yeah. the, we know that we're bringing a certain perspective. There's yeah. our
1: title episode. Thank you. If, touching if the, I, elephant. If I, touching the elephant. Touching the elephant. Sounds
6: a little risque. Ma- Mario <laughs> and Russ touch the elephant. I'm up at the, up at the front end. How much we know it's an elephant. Whatever you're into, you know. If whatever. I could mirror
3: back, if I'm hearing correctly, y'all are both kind of, I'm I'm from the south. Uh, I've been there now. I'm saying to y'all a lot. I'm noticing. Um, you could say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I what I hear you saying is the idea of already not yet. Yeah. They ha- both have to be there, uh, and that looks like the core qualities um, being embodied, uh, and that's the virtues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you you can't have the already. You
6: can't have only the already. Yeah. The the other idea is that virtues are not. Pre-existing, the, the essential qualities are, as I said, the idea is that when you have that pause, it's not like you're dialing up your Enneagram type essence. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You're not in control of that. Organically, something deeper in your nervous system knows and opens to the correct pathway. And it addresses whatever that distress is. When it's, it's like you become better at self-parenting. Mm-hmm. You become a better mother or father to yourself. Hmm. Uh, whatever the limitations or of, of your upbringing, if, are, you learn how to address them. And that does have behavioral components too, of course. Mm-hmm. But in that process, that the compulsive behaviors that come out of that unfinished business soften and this other approach matures. Vir- the idea, again, the virtues are the expression of a, a spiritually, emotionally, cognitively mature human being, a very rare thing on this planet. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Maybe you saw God, maybe you had a cosmic experience, great, but how is that impacting the life you're living?
5: Yeah. Yeah. This is an area where I like to tread really lightly and carefully of right, this idea of – um the essential qualities whatever it is we want to call these qualities that are lingering untouched very often because of our fixations from my view we have to be careful of thinking that they're fully formed mm. right you know rush used the word maturing right which mm. is you know a term that i use too that these core qualities they they, they do need to mature just like everything else. And, and so for me, philosophically, this is one of my sticking points with the word essence because there is a philosophical essentialism that's kind of problematic for me, right, from a, a philosophical perspective. And I always want to be careful about it. It's not, again, it's not like you just, the ego goes away and then this fully formed set of qualities emerges and everything is fine. Right? Speak for like, yourself. <laughs> 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 like Russ said, that never ends well right? when yeah. people take that approach. Okay? So we have to be conscious that even though you know, in the example I used earlier, I'm starting to access compassion more, I have to also understand that in a lot of ways my access to compassion is stunted And it can express itself in immature forms. And it's by doing the work on the way we apply the strategies and, you know, whatever other things we're doing, it creates space for those qualities to mature Mm -hmm. and to express even more. But we just have to be careful about Saying that they're fully formed, right? Uh, in any way, um, from my view, yeah, yeah they got to cook for a while. Yes,
6: exactly. And you know, this goes back to good old Ken Wilber talking about the pre-trans fallacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was yeah. just he was just saying that this idea that you, you're returning to something is false. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's more to say that one th- way I've come to understand it is that essence is that. in in us which can mature. There's something organic about it. It's what ripens us as a human being. Whereas personality, ego can be rearranged, reprogrammed, but it doesn't mature really. It yields and takes its correct place. Hmm within the, the growing development of a deeper maturity of us in our humanity. And then our personality is useful, but it stops being the command center. It's, it, it's, it is meant as a adjunct to help us function in a world of nature and other human beings. So it has a role to play. But when we forget there's anything else to us, this maturation is, is really, really, really slowed down and sometimes stopped. So you know, the, the Ken Wilber was always saying we, we don't return to some primordial paradise of perfection, but we get in touch with the ingredients in us which can blossom and grow. That's more accurate. Mm. If you're going back, you're going the wrong direction. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, that's right. why yeah. in
3: the in, in Genesis, that's why the angel was there with the with the sword or the fire or whatever, standing out so you can't re-enter.
6: Yeah. That's what the, I think. That yeah, symbolically represents. You cannot return. Right. No.
0: We're talking about all these things as concepts. And I think we've been all working on this episode for a really long time. And Mm -hmm. the things that we keep running into is how many different definitions essence has or ego has and then the application of that. So like I hear people using ego as uh, it's like the thing to get over or it's the the bad self or the false self or the the thing that's in your way, all that sort of thing. And then Essence has a load of things because people use it as consciousness, as awareness, as your higher self, as your true self, as just uh, something other than yourself. And I'm curious for you all, why do you think we are still using these words and have so many definitions? Why, why can't we break essence apart into actually essence is just the imagination that something could be different so that there's, a, there's another possibility of a way to react to this situation or mm-hmm. essence is just is the awareness of self. Why are we still stuck on something like essence? And maybe stuck isn't the right yeah, word.
6: Uh, there's a lot of answers I could give. Some of them are kind of snarky, but... Uh, we encourage snarky. Go for it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, first off, we don't want c- clear about using words like awareness or consciousness or higher self. We use awareness and consciousness interchangeably. For me, they're different. Absolutely. They, they're yeah. very distinguishable. Mm. People use language very imprecisely. But the, the my, my snarky response is, how can I say this? We've lost the intelligence largely of understanding the necessity of lengthy apprenticeship in anything we really wanna learn about. There's few things that annoy Mario more than people who don't know crap about physics, talking about physics in idiotic mm-hmm. and irresponsible ways that right. just completely violate anything that somebody who really understands the nature of quanta mechanics and reality would would say. and. I'm with him on that. I know enough about that to say, no, that's completely specious. The same is true for people discussing very deep conversations that come out of long cooking traditions that require a sequence of learning and experience before you even begin to know what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. These are different disciplines, different avenues that we human beings are able to explore and go into, these different journeys and adventures we can have, they yield different valuable parts of our human experience, and I wouldn't give up any of them. But there's a difference between somebody being caught in a static belief system, which can happen for scientists as well as people on spiritual journeys. I've got the answers. This is how reality is go screw, you know, that's Mm. which is very different from people who have acquired a discipline and are exploring a journey. But I'm saying for someone who's just coming in to claim that they can understand somebody who's explored something for decades Mm. is asinine. It's
1: very egoic, would you say? It's
6: very (laughs) egoic and part of it is this flattening. This is like, oh, we're all equal. We're not equal in understanding and experience, we're not. I don't wanna take somebody who's watched a couple of, of uh, videos on YouTube about medicine, have them operate on my friend.
2: Right.
6: They, I wanna experienced doctor who knows what they're doing. I don't wanna learn about physics from somebody who's just read, you know, the Dancing Wu Li Masters or something. I wanna <laughs> learn about physics from somebody who spent their life studying it.
0: Yeah.
6: And the same thing here. Not it's it's naive to think that people just studying the Enneagram for a year or two can even begin to really grok what these words mean. Over time, if they keep looking, they will. But there's there's this is why people who have been further down the journey have the responsibility as you're inviting the two of us to do, to sort of really slow down and, and try to clarify for people what we mean. But we have to also accept that the chances of us being understood, even then, are not great. And
5: this is the reason I don't use the words. Right. <laughs> 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 I, I, mean, I mean, right. It's, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's, so because, because if I, um, because again, there's nothing that Russ has said here that I would disagree with. But when I'm working with people, particularly in organizations or people who are just concrete thinkers, right? And what I mean by that is people who, well, what do you mean by that, right? Who are going to ask me that question. What do you mean by ego? What do you mean by essence? And I have to define it. Mm-hmm. I know that probably I'm going to run into that. So I go to the definition of what I mean by the word mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. using the word that yeah. I can define five five different ways, mm-hmm. right, right? Because I don't want to take the chance that you're hearing something different than what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's like when we talk about spirituality, uh, that means something different to everybody at this table mm-hmm. or on this call. It's mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so, not a call, Mario. <laughs> Good callback. <laughs> it's you like vibe. that callback? Just, yeah, <laughs> just come <laughs> back, what are we, really like an hour in here? here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, all right. so, um, so for me, it's okay, let me get to what I mean by this. Now, if Russ and I are having this conversation, I know what he means and he knows mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. And so we yeah, can, absolutely. you know, we can have that. But yeah. with typically most of the people that I'm working with, I, I've, it's got to be crisper. It's got to be clearer. It's got to be more defined. And then they can get to the abstractions. Yes. Okay. Mm. And if, again, it, I guess to piggyback on what Russ said, if you use... Words that are complex and nuanced too early mm-hmm. in the process for somebody, they think they understand, but they don't. Right. And then they repeat this stuff and they write crappy little Enneagram books and they, you know, <laughs> you know, and so forth. And, you know, go on YouTube and so forth. And they're peddling things, yeah. they're saying things yeah. that they read in Russ's book yeah, but don't understand, <laughs> right. right? And they're saying it with this, you know, charisma and this, you know, the the angels singing in the background and <laughs> people say, "Oh, wow, that sounds so deep." And then the people walk away and they say, "I have no idea what he was talking about." Mm-hmm.
4: Right. Yeah. Right. yeah.
1: I would like to push back a little on that because yeah. I feel like, and correct me if I'm mishearing you, but I feel like you're you're setting up a problem that can't be solved there because on one hand you're saying we're introducing these terms way too soon, but maybe that's mm-hmm. where some of these terms are coming from that now we're dealing with is people going, okay, these terms are too complex. Is there a way to talk about this concept in more of an introductory way? that people can start doing this really difficult work and then maybe over time we can evolve into more complex words like ego and essence and we're just getting stuck. So on one hand I hear we're saying we we shouldn't use these words but on the other hand I'm also hearing maybe we need other language because this is too much for someone who's just
6: starting out. Yeah, I think what you're saying is valid, and I think yeah. it's totally congruent with what Mario was just saying. People are coming into this at different entry levels. Different again, physics is a great metaphor. You you learn basic Newtonian mechanics before you start learning about quantum theory. You you, you there's a progress, and you have to know math before you can even do that.
1: Mm-hmm. You see,
6: so that it. It is a system and a body of knowledge and wisdom that there's an ascension through. This is what people don't understand. They think, I I know the nine types, let's go. But there's a place for that because there are people coming in at a very entry level. My fate is that I'm the one people want to go to for the deeper stuff. So if you want the deeper stuff, I can give that to you. I, I know how to talk about it in simpler terms, but I don't think that's what people want to pay me for. There's a mm-hmm. lot of people out there now giving the basics. Mm. But I do think that you know the, the Buddhists have this wonderful term expedient means, and I really believe in that. And as they – Buddhism spread out of India, they sort of adapted to each culture that they went to. They didn't care if – oh, you want to believe those in those deities? Well, those are actually bodhisattvas and they're da, – da, da, da but just – and here's the dharma. So I feel the same way. I have an aim for – I don't care in the end what type people decide they are – Anything like that. Mm -hmm. I want them to have a certain experience of who and what they are. I want them to have some kind of freedom from some of their limiting beliefs and ideas. I know Mario works for the same reasons, for the same uh, aim for people. But I talk... I sometimes am talking with a group full of people in religious seclusion. I'm talking to a bunch of nuns. Mm. I'm not gonna use some of the terminology I use over here, there. Sometimes I'm talking to scientists. Sometimes I'm talking to business people. Here's the other thing. If you really know it and it's coming from the inside Mm. out, you're liberated from your jargon. Mm. You can use other language because what you're pointing to is human experience but it takes knowledge. it takes experience it takes practice it takes working at this a while to have that kind of freedom at first the the problem is a lot of the beginners coming in they're sort of chained to the jargon because they haven't had time to cook in it long enough to be able to talk about it outside of that. Mm-hmm. But there's a place for that, and I'm, I'm not. A, I, that's how I came to peace with it. I used to just go, "Oh God, what have we unleashed on the world? <laughs> what <laughs> nightmare have I created here?" What's and but I re- I don't feel that way now. I feel like okay, it's right that there's a lot of people talking about it in a way that is not how I would talk about it, but it's it's getting, it's getting generating a conversation at a certain level of understanding, just like Mario does with these executives. But as if they're really interested, if that spark is in them, they'll take it to the next level. Some of them won't, but it's not my business. Mm-hmm. So you're
3: okay with um, people <laughs> receiving this tool with the level of maturity they're able to use it?
6: I I like the idea that the people teaching it have at least some experience of their own development and their own maturity and a way of holding the people who come to them with intelligence and respect and, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that, that the teachers are in some sense to whatever capacity they can reflecting the values of the system that they're teaching. But I would feel that way about anything, not just the Enneagram. Yeah.
5: back to Lindsay's uh, point um, for me it's not that I think that the word ego is complicated or that essence is complicated um, it, some people like poetry and some people like prose right? uh, some people like are more comfortable with allegoric language other people want more precision and concreteness okay? and One's not better than the other. People respond to things differently. When I hear the words ego and essence, my mind just keeps going back to, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Now, I know Russ well enough and we've talked enough that I know what he means by those words, Mm -hmm. right? But my basic approach is to start with the prose and work up to the poetry, Right, and you know Russ can be more poetic. I mean, and and I don't mean to say that he's not precise and clear because he is, right? And he's better at the poetry piece of this than anybody, right? And certainly better than I am. Okay, but he's temperamentally suited for it as well, right? So that, that's how I think of these things.
1: great job. You got through the first part of this incredible interview with Russ Hudson and Mario Sakura I've listened to this interview three times now, and I just keep finding more gems to mine. So there's so much gold here, and we have even more good stuff for you. So make sure that you tune in next week for part two of this incredible interview, as well as our personal takeaways how we are going to use these terms moving forward, and you might be surprised at some of our answers. And then we're gonna be going on a little break as we get ready for season five, as we rest up, stretch, lift some weights, get a snack, and get ready to dive into season five prep work for you we're really excited about some of our ideas for season five but we really don't want to lose touch with you during the break so make sure that you connect with us on instagram you can find links in our show notes for our marco polo sharecast and we would love for you to answer these questions for us how are you working with the terms ego and essence do they resonate with you Do they feel confusing to you? Is there anything you heard in this interview that maybe resonated with you more than those terms? And on a practical day-to-day basis, how do you encounter what you may call essence or ego in your daily life? So we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us and um, we will see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths one fathom at a time. Truthwork Media Studios.